Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Amen. I want you to turn with me, if you would please, to the book of Hebrews in chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 19 in a moment. Last Wednesday evening, we talked about the tabernacle of God in the wilderness. And we showed how, if you were to look at the tabernacle from an aerial view, you would discover a cross in the tabernacle. And you would see the furniture laid out in such a way so that the pieces of furniture represent a place where Jesus was pierced. His head, his hands holding out the bread of life and the light to the world, his feet, the piercing of his side. And these things were laid out in the tabernacle as a type so that we would eventually be able to see clearly that God was revealing to us his great plan of redemption. The tabernacle reveals to us that man really was to be eventually God's mobile home unit on the earth. A portable unit, you could say, in the wilderness. Tent, tabernacle, house, dwelling place, vehicle. And they would travel from place to place as they were directed by the Spirit of God, as the Spirit of God began to move. We see also that the parts of the tabernacle revealed to us certain things that were fulfilled in Christ. They taught us certain lessons, like the door where Jesus said, I am the door, fulfilled in Christ. I am the door, or you can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there were three entrances, the doorway that brought you into the outer court, the doorway that brought you into the inner court, or you would say the holy place. And then, of course, there was the holiest place of all, where no one was allowed to approach. It was called an unapproachable light. And it was separated by a veil between the holy place and the most holy place. And so only the priests could work in the holy place. And in the holy place you had the golden candlestick and also you had the table of showbread, which is just a revelation of the illumination of God's spirit upon the word. And we also understand and, and read in the book of Corinthians that we see through a glass darkly or dimly, even in that light, there is still not the complete full understanding of the revelation of God. And that is the place where we get our minds renewed. Now, if you were to follow it this way, you can understand this. In the outer court, you have your just saved carnal Christian. But thank God they're saved. Thank God they came in by the door. Jesus is the door. But those that long for more of God move from the outer court and make their way into the inner holy place. They draw closer to God. And in the holy place, they begin to realize all that Jesus did for them. And their minds are being renewed and they're drawing closer to God as their minds are renewed to the truths of the new covenant and the redemptive work of Christ. And with that knowledge, they draw closer to God. And then those that really have a passion for God, 
those that really have a longing desire to know him intimately and they're not satisfied with where they're at as a matter of fact they maintain in their lives a daily sense of dissatisfaction I don't want to play around with the things of God I don't want to get caught up in the circle of who believes this and who believes that and this doctrine that doctrine and everything else I want to know God I want to know the Father intimately I want to walk in his presence I want to experience God in a profound way in my life. See, and you're looking for that, and that's your longing desire. So you're not going to get caught up in all the things that are going on around you. You are too intent on getting into the most holy place of God. That's what your desire is, and so you don't want to fool around with all the different doctrines that are out there, doctrines of devils, doctrines of men, traditions, and all that. You're just saying, you know what, I want to make my way into the holiest place of all. That's where I want to live my life. God needs to have serious seekers like that. He rewards those who diligently and seriously seek him that way. Well, that veil that was there separated the holy place from the most holy place. And beyond that veil was the unapproachable light of God no darkness at all no dim light whatsoever it's called exact knowledge the fullness of knowledge the absence of darkness and absolute light imagine that absolute light we very rarely deal with absolutes in this life it could be zero degrees outside but there's still some heat in the air it could be 40 below and it's, there's still some heat. There's, heat. there's not an absence of heat. It's not absolute. There's still heat. But when you deal with God, it's absolute light. And in him is no darkness at all. And if you have just an idea of how bright that is, Jesus is brighter than the noonday sun. And if you ever looked up at the noonday sun, you know you can't look at it. Isn't that true? So that's called the absolute light. And that's where we are supposed to live our lives. That's where God wants us to be. And in the Old Covenant, they could only get into the holy place and only the high priest could get into the most holy place once a year. And it is said to, to be that he was translocated into the most holy place because there was no doorway to get into the most holy place. So imagine that, the light of God just absorbing him right on in, just bringing him right on, just translocating him right on in beaming him in so to speak into his holiest presence and man when he got there there wasn't time to think about theology there was no time to think about our own human philosophies you don't stand there in his absolute presence and say I wonder if you heal it's not a thought in your mind if you can be there you're well do you see that if you can get there, I'm telling you, that close to God. When Moses came down from the mountain, they couldn't even look at his face. He shone with the very brightness of the glory of God. No wonder his natural force never was abated. No wonder his eyes never grew dim. When you're in that place of his presence, what is the effect of that? Life results in health when you're that close to God. 
And so the invitation is really given to all of us, sent out to all of us, come on all the way into the most holy place of God. Now, what does that tabernacle teach us? If you'll study it out, you'll find out these truths. The tabernacle was a sanctuary or a place set apart for the Lord to dwell in and meet with his people. That's what God wanted to do. To dwell with, among, and meet with his people. That was his primary objective. I will dwell in you. I will walk in you. I will live in you. I'll be your God and you will be my people. So every single one of us who is a born again, blood washed child of God is a tabernacle in the earth right now, housing God. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which ye have a God and ye are not your own? You are a temple. Would you say that with me? I am a temple. A dwelling place of the Most High God. Wow. And His glory rested upon that tabernacle by day and night, and they didn't move one inch until He directed them. He moved and they moved. It's called guidance. Secondly, it was a tabernacle of the testimony containing the two tablets of stone that had written upon them the Ten Commandments of God. And what that reveals to us is the fact that God is holy. Our God is a holy God. And it reminds us of our need to be in obedience to his word and to his will if we are going to walk with him in the earth. We must obey the voice of the Lord our God and keep his commandments. Thirdly, it was a place where God provided forgiveness of sins through sacrifice. And God provided forgiveness for them through animal sacrifices. But he provides forgiveness for us through the sacrifice of the, of the blood of his son. And in Jesus, we have forgiveness and remission of sin. And even if we miss the mark today, we can ask God to forgive us by the blood of Jesus Christ. And of course, we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. So it points to us as well that Christ would die upon the cross on Calvary, at Calvary. And he would forgive our sins and provide daily remission and forgiveness of all sin even if we missed the mark along the way. And then finally, there was the earthly tabernacle that pointed to the heavenly tabernacle that reveals to us that we would have a representative like the high priest seated at the Father's right hand who would ever live to make intercession for us and also who would re represent us to the Father so that we could have approach through representation. We would have approach to the Father through representation. That takes all the pressure off of us. Our approach to the Father's holiest presence is through representation. And Jesus is our representative. And he being at the Father's right hand means we have free access into the holiest place of God's presence. Where we can worship him and honor him and glorify him as the living God. Now in Hebrews 10 verse 19. Having therefore brethren boldness or confidence. Having therefore boldness or confidence to enter in, not the holy place, but the holiest, the holiest, the holiest place of God's presence. See, beloved, we have never majored in this in the New Testament church. The New Testament church has not majored in the revelation of the blood that provides access into the holiest place of God's presence. By him, by his blood, let us enter into the holiest 
presence of God by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. That's called representation. At the Father's right hand is a high priest over the house of God, who represents us to the Father and the Father to us, who is our go-between, our mediator, if you will. He is the one who bridges the gap between us and the Father. He sees to it that we have unlimited access and approach to the holiest place of God's presence where we can enter in to that place and walk with Him, fellowship with Him, talk with Him, commune with Him. As a matter of fact, if you go on back to the book of Exodus 25, you will read that he said right there in that place is where I will commune with you and I will lead you. It's in that place that there is sweet communion between God and his people and he reveals himself to them and shares with them and teaches them and talks to them and meets with them and guides them and directs them. It's a beautiful place to be. And he goes on to say, look at verse 22. Let us draw near. Let us draw near. Let us draw near. As an act of our own will, we can draw close and closer to the Father with a true heart. In other words, complete sincerity. I am sincere in what I'm looking for. What are you looking for? A little goosebump here and there? A little... Uh, drop a blessing out of the sky no 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 i am looking for his absolute presence i am looking for a place of approach where man was unable to approach before the shedding of his blood to walk in beyond the veil and live my life on the other side where my perspectives completely change if you want to get your life revolutionized if you want to get things turned around if you want to turn fit failure and defeat into success and victory if you want to turn sickness and disease into healing and health and poverty and lack into complete provision if you want to turn bad relationships into wholesome relationships and wonderful relationships beloved it's all found in the place of his holiest presence if you want to see the world through different eyes if you want to have a deep compassion for lost and dying humanity if you want to see the world as God sees the world, all that is found in the holiest place of God's presence. Because you see, you approach Him, and when you enter in beyond the veil, no longer do you see through a glass darkly, but now you begin to see things clearly. I'll never forget the time when I entered into that place of His presence personally and was caught up in the love of God. And I had a revelation of God's personal love for me as an individual like I had never experienced before. I can tell you where I was at, I can tell you what I was doing, I can tell you the effect that it had upon my life. And you know what, to this day I cannot deny, no matter what I experience in this life, the fact that I have a, a deep revelation how, of how much the Father loves me. It's like that place where, let's say in the holy place you have an understanding of it in your head, but in the most holy place it becomes alive in your heart. I mean it just flood you with the full light of what God is all about. And I had a love surrounding me and welling up on the inside of me that I had never experienced before. I've read about it. I've heard people teach about it. 
but now it became an experience in God. Do you see the difference? An experience in God. We should all desire to experience God in a greater way. And so as I came away from that place, I had a complete revelation of the Father's love for me. And I, like I'm telling you, I can't even explain it with words. It was just beyond words, something indescribable. It's also in that place, like I said, where sickness and disease gets swallowed up in the light and the life of God. Sometimes we want healing and health, but we don't want to do what it takes to get it. You get in beyond the veil where in the holy place you have all that dimness of light. Well, does God want to heal me? Does God heal everybody? Is healing for today? And you have all these questions in your mind. You've got people talking about it, thinking about it, all kinds of doctrines to settle. And, you know, you're just talking it over with this one, talking it over with that one. And finally, if you just really sincerely from the heart want to know, God just pulls you in from the holy place into the most holy place. And when you get there, there's no darkness at all. None whatsoever. You're so swallowed up with the life and the light of God that you know what his will is. As a matter of fact, you're, you're in such light and in such a place of his presence that your health is renewed right there. You're brought back to a place of health because that's the effect that God's presence has upon our lives. So come boldly, draw near with a true heart. Notice this, in full assurance of faith. How do I have this full assurance of faith? The only way that the, high, that the priests, let's go to the priests, the priests could get from the outer court into the holy place with assurance that they belonged there, that they were permitted there, they had to be sprinkled with the blood. See, once they saw the sprinkling of the blood and felt the sprinkling of the blood, then they can walk into the holy place and they could do service for God. Well... You can have the same full assurance in your heart. Look, read on and see what it says. Having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. How are our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience? We've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Hold your place there and I'll show you exactly how. Going back to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. And look at verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, the word therefore means by virtue of his life. Let us therefore or by virtue of his life come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy... And, and find grace to help in time of need. Notice, we're coming for mercy. Mercy is not receiving something that we do deserve. We may deserve judgment because of our faults, our failures, and our lack, and our, our shortcomings. But you know what? When we go there realizing that in ourselves we have no approach to God, in ourselves we're not acceptable in the presence of God, but we're not going there based on our own merits, our own works, or our own deeds. We are just approaching the presence of God based on the life and the virtue of, uh, of the life of Christ. So because of Him, we can enter into the holiest place of God's presence and obtain mercy. I'm not getting what I deserve. I'm getting what He deserves. 
I deserve maybe judgment, but praise God, he's been judged and he's been found faithful and true. And all of a sudden, I just get mercy. God knows my shortcomings. God knows my faults. God knows my failures. I'm not caught up in, caught up in me. I'm caught up in him. I'm caught up in Christ. I'm not coming on the strength of my life. I'm not even afraid to approach because of my failures. I'm coming because Jesus lived the life. He was obedient to the Father. He died the death. His blood was accepted. And once it was accepted, it ratified the new covenant. And it meant that God could now bless me because of Jesus. And so thank God I'm left out of the picture. And thank God I can have representation and now I can say father I've missed the mark but you know what the first thing I'm asking for is mercy have mercy upon me look at my representative look at my representation look at him and be pleased and be satisfied and have mercy on me he's not giving me what I deserve he's giving me what Jesus deserves thank God by him therefore let us come and petition the Father. And then secondly, he says, and find grace to help in time of need. Thank God you have mercy on me because of my shortcomings, faults, and failures. But now, grace means I have your operational power activated in my life. Do I need the ability to overcome? What do I need in this life? I find grace right there. Where, at, where else could it be found? At the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace, God's operational power. I want you to see a picture of this. Hold your place in that Hebrews 10 still. Keep your finger there or your bookmark there. Go to Isaiah 6. And you'll see it here. In the book of Isaiah chapter 6, this is when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And you know the story there. But I want us to see it and read it. We want to move the church from the outer court into the holy place with the idea that eventually we'll find our way into the most holy place of God where we can experience the fullness of what God has for us in this life. In the year, verse 1, that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple above. It stood a seraphims, each one having six wings, with twenty covered his face, and with twenty covered his, uh, his feet, and with twenty he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Wait a minute. What happened between I'm undone, I'm unclean, I can't do it, there's no possible... You know, too many people have a guilt complex in the body of Christ because they've been browbeat from the pulpit and told they're no good. Isaiah felt he was unclean, he was undone, he was uh, dwelling among a people of unclean lips. You know what? He didn't do anything to clean up his act. 
it was the angel that got the hot coal from, uh, uh, from the altar and placed it upon him and his tongue in his mouth and he said look now your your sin is purged beloved we have the purging of the blood of jesus christ that was shed for our redemption his whole attitude changed god said now i need somebody to go and he said send me because he knew it wasn't based on who he was it was based on what god did for him so it's not based on who we are or what we've done. It's based on what Jesus has done for us. And every one of us has been purged from sin by the blood of the Lord Jesus and the new and everlasting covenant. And we have boldness now to go before His presence and find the grace that we need and go forth from this place of His presence and do the work of God. Every single one of us in, in the sight of the Lord is pure and holy before the Lord God Almighty by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if we ever miss the mark, all we've got to do is ask for forgiveness by the same blood and we're cleansed from all unrighteousness and we're made pure in the sight of the Lord. Now go back to Hebrews. Not based on what we did, but based on what he did. Hebrews 10. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for his faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke one another to love and to good works and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. What is he saying? Live your life in the holy of holies. Live your existence in the holiest place of God. And realize that it's your right to be there because of what Jesus has done for you. And in that place, you will absorb the light, the absolute light and life of God. It will change you, your heart motives and attitudes and your perspective. Now, what is life like in that place? There's so much to be said for that. It's beyond anything our hearts can ever imagine. You talk about a love like you have never, ever, ever experienced in your life. You will find it there. You know, there's a closeness to that when, when someone is, is, let's say, slain in the spirit and the power of God comes on them and you're enveloped in what I call just a cloud or, or just a warm liquid love, just, just surrounds you and touches you and does a work on the inside of you that you can't even begin to describe. That's in that place in God where you are more conscious of Him, His presence, His power, his voice than anything else around you. It's in that place that He takes you and makes you exactly what He wants you to be. We say, mold me and make me. It's in that place. Because I believe His character rubs off on you and me when we're in that place. What about His compassion? You're so overwhelmed with it, it's beyond anything you can imagine. You see humanity after having been in that place of his presence with brand new eyes. You can't stand to see a lost person. You can't stand to see a diseased person. You can't stand to see somebody who you know God desires so much to help hurting or suffering or in pain. In that place of his holiest presence, you are so caught up in, in the, the brightness of his glory, in the goodness of his person, his countenance, that you get lost 
That's called being lost in the presence of God where you're so overwhelmed with love for Him that your heart just begins to, to rejoice and honor Him and magnify Him and worship Him and glorify Him as He deserves to be glorified. God wants us to live there. I believe that every time Jesus set Himself apart for a season of prayer, that's exactly where He visited. He was so aware of His Father's presence that He could boldly say, I only do what I see my Father do, and I only say what I hear my Father say. And beloved, He has redeemed us and delivered us so that He could inhabit us and live in us, and so that we can also say what Jesus said. I'm doing what I see my Father do. I'm saying what I hear my Father say. I'm walking so close with Him in this place of His holiest presence that I am completely changed and my perspective on this life is no longer the same. I see humanity different. We want marriages to be healed and restoration to take place. You can't place two people in the holiest of all where they absorb His love and His compassion. And they begin to see humanity through His eyes without them coming out from that place of His holiest presence and being changed and walking away and saying, how wrong could we have been? How wrong could we have been? I believe that the Father wants us to live there. I believe, you talk about faith. We want our faith level to rise. I believe this is what takes faith from here and puts it here. See, in the holy place, we have a lot of head knowledge. We can quote all the scriptures, one after the other. But when you slip out of the holy place into the most holy, there's a difference. Reality comes. A change comes. Head knowledge becomes heart faith. God is dealing with the spirit, not just the soul of the man. And his spirit is, is full of life and full of light. And there's where faith rises to a new level. God wants us to live in that holiest place with him. He wants us to provoke one another to love and to good works. He's not looking for us to have heads so big, full of education, that even though our heads are so full of of knowledge, we have the inability to meet the needs of humanity because our hearts are crying out for faith. God wants to move us to a place where our hearts are fed, our spirits are full, and our heads, as far as they're concerned, give place to God's word above human reasoning. He wants us to practice his presence individually and collectively as a church body. So praise and worship team, come on up here with me this evening. He wants us to practice His presence. And He wants us to enter into the holiest place of His presence, individually and collectively as a body of believers. And He wants us to be ushered in to the holiest place of all. He wants us to experience an experience in Him that goes beyond the veil. Where we can see Him as Isaiah saw Him high and lifted up. Where He can have the opportunity 
to move upon our hearts and make realities out of the legalities of the covenant. Are you wanting to enter in with me tonight? Are we wanting to usher ourselves into that place of His holiest presence? Then stand with, with me, if you would, please, and just let go of your inhibitions. Forget about whether or not we're doing things religiously correct as far as rituals, programs are concerned. Hallelujah. Let's see ourselves having entered through the outer door of the courtyard and we're in. But there's no sacrifice any longer to be sacrificed because the sacrifice has already been sacrificed. The last one was Jesus. And so even though we're out in the outer courtyard, there's nothing for us to do there but to say, say thank you to the Father for redeeming us by Jesus. But we're not satisfied being carnal Christians. What does carnality mean? Our flesh rules us. Our flesh dominates us. We still get upset about all these little petty things. And so our carnal nature is really taking over. There's divisions among people. Because you see, they're not really trained in going any further in God. We're not concerned about our rights. We're concerned about His rights. We're concerned about experiencing the fullness of what He has provided for us. We're not concerned about self. We're concerned about Him. So we let go of self. Let go of the flesh. And enter in and let Him deal with our souls. Dealing with the souls is not an easy thing even for God. Man thinks the way he wants to think. Think about that. When Naaman was told to go dip in a river seven times by the prophet of God and his leprosy would be gone and his flesh would be cleansed, he didn't think that was the way to do it. Can't even imagine how a man could be so stubborn. I'll heal you if you'll dip seven times in the river Jordan. No, nah, I don't think I'll do that. Water's too muddy. Now, took a servant, a humble servant, to say to him that he asked you to do something too hard. What is it with you? Why can't you humble yourself? See, there it is, the mind. Let's stop allowing our minds to separate us from the holiest place of all. Let's get rid of all that human reasoning that keeps us out. It's not you. It's Jesus. It's not what you've done. It's what he did. Go in there with his word. That's why we say almost every service, I am who you say I am. I'm your child and I belong here. You said I'm more than a conqueror. You said I'm a king. You said I'm a priest. And so I come. Say with me, I'm his child. Born of his spirit. Washed in the blood. You are my father. I come before your presence. To enter in to the most holy place not by anything that I've done but by the blood of your son the Lord Jesus Christ I know my life my love and my worship are made acceptable to you by him I acknowledge his presence 
at your right hand. I let go of human reasoning and I fully receive from you all that you've done for me. I'm coming in to your most holy presence as an act of my will. Receive my love by Jesus. Would you gather around this altar with me? Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.